0: Welcome to The label Podcast, a show about disability, illness, and difference. I'm Lucy. And I'm Alice. I'm so much more than yeah. what you see. And we that's live Lola. lives differently. Glydoscope identity. And this is who I'm meant to be. I'm just labelled me.
1: Don't forget, in this episode, I might swear, Lucy might cry, and you can check out details of the trigger warnings on our website. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Labelled Podcast. This is take two of the recording Mm -hmm. because I've got an electrician in this afternoon and my computer turned off while I was in the middle of a sentence. So I'm here. We'll see if I stay here. Lucy's here. Hi,
0: I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so with uh, we we will see how we get on. How yeah. are you doing, Lucy? I'm all right, thanks. How are you? Um, other than um, yeah, all the all the work we've got going on in our house. My husband has taken the wall down between our kitchen and dining room. Um, did you, did you want having... the wall down in between we did guests? yeah okay, it fine. wasn't it wasn't i didn't come downstairs one day <laughs> to just be like where the fuck is the wall gone?" Um,
0: <laughs> do i need to call nick <laughs> so <Sometimes. laughs> we have
1: we have got just wires hanging from the yeah. ceiling that um i am just it feels like it's just a matter of time before the cat decides that those are the new fun things to play with and possibly uh, and... But that is why we have an electrician in. So, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. So it's um, I, I'm good. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to when my house is done. Yeah, and
0: not chaotic. No, yeah, I can understand that. As somebody who recently had builders in, I can. It was three days, Alice, and I was being a drama queen, wasn't I? So, you, you know, that's very unlike you. <laughs> Just a Usually, bit. so
1: calm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh well, fingers crossed we get it sorted soon. Shall we introduce our? Yes.
1: yes, yes. Let's introduce our guests. Yes, we have got as usual, guys, another guest in for you this week. This week we've got Emily who is coming to us from Gay Paris. Ooh. Which is exciting! Fancy. Hi, um, Emily. Welcome hi. to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, so how is Paris today? It is incredibly hot. I mean, it was
2: um, really humid yesterday, but I think that's now like rained off, um, which is really good because humidity on the metro is um, really not the one.
1: Mm, no, no. I imagine it's it's like I mean the tube in London any time between like sort of April and September, you just want to die. Yeah, it's not a fun place to be. <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, especially because if you're on the priority seat, as I imagine you two are, um, you're just face to stomach.
0: Yeah, um, not <laughs> it's stomach, often
2: the way. It's stomach. often the
0: way. Whenever you're like crammed in anywhere small as a disabled person, you are often greeted with some some part of somebody's anatomy that you don't really want to be face to face with. Yeah, it's not. It's not nice. Not nice. Mm. No. <laughs>
1: No, no. No. Um, I always uh sort of. I feel weirdly protective of the dog in that situation as well because I'm just like, like you're just gonna get like rained on by sweat in those situations and just knees in the face and And you kind of
0: you kind of start to realize how many people don't understand personal hygiene. (laughs) Oh God, yeah,
2: that's it's it's yeah. I end up like cradling my crutches
0: like it's going to be child. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be all right soon, 15 more minutes I can get off the bedro. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's not, it's not, it's not nice. No. So
1: what are you doing in Paris? So MO? I'm doing
2: an internship because I really wanted to get some work experience. I mean, had I had, uh, had COVID not happened, I'd have kind of wanted to get some more work experience done by now. Um, But obviously I was shielding on and off and it was just a bit of a mess. So I was like, okay, I really need to take this year to get some stuff on my CV. So I am a digital communications intern for a rare disease charity, which is really cool.
1: That is really cool. That's really
2: cool. It's nice to be working in like a really lovely and inclusive space as well, because Mm. obviously, well, you'd hope that they'd be really good about things like me needing time off the hospital and just general bits and bobs.
1: Okay. And uh, is it a like French specific charity? Is it a French specific disease? Right. So it's called Eurydice. (laughs) It's the European body
2: for um, all rare diseases. So we Mm -hmm. basically coordinate everyone all over Europe so wow! each different disease each different thing and I'm specifically the rare disease day intern so right. if you've heard of rare disease rare
1: day
2: Di- which is, mm. I um, help run that campaign.
1: Oh exciting that sounds really interesting. Um, well you, uh, you mentioned that you've got crutches Emily so how do you feel a little bit about telling us about your um, kind of lived experience of being disabled and and what kind of got you into working in this uh for the rare disease charity right so
2: I have cerebral palsy which is not a rare disease it is mm-hmm. actually the most common No, very very common I have cerebral palsy too that's how common it is yeah exactly <laughs> I know like a million different people with it and it <laughs> yeah it's the most common lifelong motor disability but I um I I guess my sort of journey with it start started way back over lockdown too. I basically had an epiphany where I realised I couldn't do serious journalism anymore as my like career choice. I was going to be like you know covering disability rights stuff and all that yeah. kind of thing. And over COVID, I just realised it was making me very very depressed. Mm -hmm. and it was just really not good for my mental health i remember the article that broke me was um do you remember when all the dnr stuff was coming Mm -hmm. yeah and i was like i can't
0: do no no it's pretty grim. that
1: was that was a bit of a turning point i worked in advocacy um specifically doing a lot of like statutory advocacy and yeah the the prevalence of um dnar's for people with learning disabilities specifically i can remember one of the other um we had a sessional member of staff in our team who was also a trainee doctor who um said you know i had a conversation with one of my consultants about a 32 year old woman with a learning disability and he wanted to put a dnar on for her um dnar is do not attempt attempt resuscitation um And they they put those things in place for people generally under the assumption that if you, resuscitation is a really physically um, a sort of,
0: what's- Very labour intensive, isn't it?
1: Well, it's, I mean, it breaks your ribs. It's, you know, it can leave you very, very physically poorly for a long time afterwards. And And weakened as well. Yes. So quite often, if you have, if you're, say, particularly, you know, very elderly, if you are resuscitated and it then means you're going to have to spend a further 12 weeks in hospital mm-hmm. um, and actually that might be the end of your life anyway in hospital, being in hospital means you're in high risk of, you know, never mind COVID or the other hospital born diseases, they might want to put a DNAR on, you know, a doctor may decide that actually... Yeah, that's that's the right choice for you however people were being put on dnar's for um because they had physical disabilities or learning disabilities and some doctor somewhere had basically gone
0: well yeah their
1: their life's not going to be worth yeah, living no, uh, after it, undergoing
0: it, it, resuscitation and like emily said it is absolutely horrific i that first lockdown uh, i've said before you know we started a podcast and it was the main thing keeping me going, to be honest, because it was a distraction from all of the utter hell. Um, but I was petrified that if I got COVID, yeah. I'd go into hospital and never come out again. So I And it, it's stayed because inside the nine. Weeks.
1: That that people were you know, Lucy would wouldn't have COVID. You know, Lucy was is not Lucy doesn't have a res- respiratory issue, she doesn't have a heart condition. If loose if you'd got COVID and gone into hospital with COVID loose, mm. you'd have been put on a ventilator. Yep. And in theory, unless for some reason you stop stopped breathing because of COVID and they needed to resuscitate you. Otherwise, th- there's no reason why you would you would have been particularly vulnerable to death by COVID. No, absolutely but, not. But it's the fear that you'll you'll go into hospital. And just because people will look at you and go, well, she's disabled, they'll mm. stick you on a DNAR, and mm. then if they, if if for whatever reason you stop breathing, they'll just leave you there.
0: Exactly. And yeah. the thought of me being on a ventilator for 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 starts off is horrific. Yeah. And the thought of them putting a DNAR on me is even more. Because could you? Um, I mean, I I would be kicking off from the rooftops. Yeah. like if if I was able to speak and verbalize, which I am normally, mm. like I would be out like I get very feisty over things. And the thought of not being able to tell them, don't you dare put one of those on me is nightmarish.
1: The sit the situation, thankfully, um, you know you and i and uh, are privileged enough that we we do have family who would advocate for us yeah. i mean it's diff- it was difficult yeah. in covid situations for families to even get there but particularly for people with learning disabilities who are living in care homes mm-hmm. where there's not a lot of family contact that's yeah. those were the people who were just being being left to die not it's it's not uh they're they weren't, they weren't getting the covid support or th- it was they were just being left because if they came to a point where they needed resuscitation people were just deciding it wasn't worth their time for yeah. to resuscitate that person because their life wasn't worth living afterwards so yeah i can i can understand why that might be the thing that makes you go you know what serious journalism's hard yeah yeah I I just realized it wasn't making me happy
2: like I I always sort of thought if I do something really serious it's going to make me feel like I've got like a sense of fulfillment and that's going to keep me going Mm -hmm. but I realized now I can do something a little less emotionally taxing and still feel
1: absolutely helping people doesn't have to make you miserable no yeah like um, I know there's a lot of you know we've had conversations before about that kind of virtue volunteering of of people yeah helping other people because it makes them feel good but I think there is a middle ground between you know going actually I, I work doing something that is important and helps people but it doesn't make me feel like I'm beating myself against a horrible brick wall of death every day mm. yeah
2: so then i started my blog um a shaky precipice in the second lockdown um because during this oh, oh no because i started shielding before we actually went into lockdown but right obviously i can't i was not having a good time then and also because i was shielding anyway mm-hmm. and quite isolated from the world because i was uh back at uni then mm. um i kind of and did we actually go into lockdown because it's all sort of blurred. yeah yeah it doesn't make a difference to me um so i did that then and then i started getting traction on it and then when i was looking for europe broad jobs i was kind of focusing on journalism and comms and then i saw this one for uh, Euridice, and i was like oh this is really good um and then when it came to my interview they was they said oh we've really we've read your blog that's the kind of wow like yeah
1: that's
2: cool
1: we would like yeah. to
2: produce for our
0: website amazing
1: yeah okay oh that's really cool so um i guess it's kind of it's you've you've moved across that kind of from journalism into kind of content production
2: yes i think because yeah. i i think i want to be in the sort of fashion beauty pop culture space Yeah, and i would argue that the line between what's pr and what's journalism is very very blurry
0: yes it mm. is yes
2: in that kind of realm so as far as i'm concerned if i have the skills and experience for both
0: yes yeah, it won't yeah. do any harm will it do you yeah, know what exactly. i mean and i think i think to a certain extent emily being in the sort of pop culture sector when you're flying the flag for kind of like disability kind of things is is in some respects a little bit more helpful to raise an awareness and you know things around disability because pop culture everybody consumes pop culture don't they even Mm. if they don't realize they're doing it whereas the journalistic more sort of hard-hitting stuff you actually have to kind of get people to read it and you know it's a big question mark isn't it really about whether they're going to read something highbrow about the disabled people um you know, I mean, and I
1: think it it sort of, it, it mainstreams disability a bit ooh. more, normalises disability yeah, exactly. a bit more, yeah. it takes it out of that, like, oh, it's disability, disabilities in the news again, because, you know, there's a rights problem, or there's a justice problem, or there's a medical problem yeah. into, yeah. like, yes, there's all of that stuff. But also like some of us really like nail polish
0: and fake eyelashes like, <laughs> and, like that. and that's valid as well yeah exactly uh, yes it is yes um yeah so i think i think and does it uh, do you feel happier now emily yeah i feel a lot happier now i
2: mean there's been a lot of other stuff in my life that sort of happened between now and then i think covid in a lot of ways has been a weird baptism of fire for me in my late teens early 20s but yeah. there's several things to discuss about that but no it's really um it's been really good i feel like i found something that i'm really good at and that does a fair bit of good but doesn't like keep me up at night as well i feel yeah. like i've hit the balance now
0: yeah that is and it that that is the key that is the key to doing anything in life finding something that a you feel confident in and b that is nice for you to do like mm-hmm. they always say find a job you love and you'll never do another day's work in your life because it doesn't feel like work yeah. um and i think that is so true isn't it really yeah, um yeah. so I'm, I'm glad you're in a in a better place <laughs> yeah <laughs> <like> i've died <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. sorry i didn't mean it to sound like that, but, but yeah no it's uh, it's it's good to know that people are happy i suppose yeah i think it's been a big thing with covid a lot of people
2: Mm. have been like i want to do x rather than y so i I don't think i'm the only one by a long
1: shot no no lots of people i think have reevaluated. My my husband decided to take the leap into going um freelance and contracting uh rather than working for an agency because he just got sick of having to you know fit in other people's boxes um and you know he wasn't able to do the work that that was important to him yeah I think there are lots of people doing that and I mean you know it's very that's kind of what we're doing with the show I think Lucy we we both sort of went this is the thing that we we love doing yeah let's actually make the time to do it
0: and I think because we we me and both me and you Alice we work in the disability sector I think it's fair to say um yes. and uh, I think being able to put our own personal spin on disability is quite nice do you know what i mean because you spend we spend a lot of our time having to be very sort of matter of fact about disability you can't you know we we can't put too much personality in because you need to get these facts across or whatever or um and then we we come and do the podcast and spend an hour and a half a week being very silly
1: (laughs) i think yeah it's um certainly with my job change that yeah. I, I and I changed jobs at the end of 2021 uh in my last job it was very much um you know statutory advocacy there mm-hmm. is certain things you have to do and as part of that yes you are working on behalf of a lot of disabled people but it's a it like you say it's a very um prescribed sort of approach whereas yeah. uh in my new job and, and I think part of the reason that my new job fits me so well is because I get to do the same things
0: I do with Lucy which is (laughs) kind of just chat about stuff yeah um, yeah. and I think I think being able to have that lived experience of disability is really helpful I don't know whether you find that Emily having like a lived experience of disability is helpful yeah Yeah, I mean it's definitely I think especially now that
2: I've made more friends with non-disabled people at uni Mm. um, I've sort of noticed more that like I've noticed the differences a bit more um, Mm. in terms of like how I approach uh, situations I think as well with uni it's it's very it's quite a lot of the time it's a melting mixing pot um, yeah scenario you know for both positive and negative reasons but it's been interesting speaking to different people and like how many disabled people they know and how many people with this. And
1: I think that and I've said this before that for me you know I I for most of my life have been like quite wary of identifying as disabled and so the idea of that kind of that that melting pot for me um during uni which was a very long time ago because I'm very old <laughs> um is um I heard a thing on the radio earlier today where somebody said that the band Blue are 20 years old. Oh, stop
0: it. (laughs) I used to really fancy Duncan James. Will you stop it? Stop
1: it. So, yeah. Um, uh, Yeah, for me, like that melting pot, it was trying to find my place in that whilst specifically not really wanting to engage with a certain part of my identity yeah whereas i feel like i can actually i can imagine emily for you kind of going well i'm disabled and that uh sort of colors my approach to everything yeah it's it's probably quite empowering actually yeah i mean yeah it is a lot i mean the
2: thing is i i go to oxford right so Mm. i can't avoid Access needs because everywhere is like yeah, years old <laughs> yeah, and I have yeah. to be like every time I have a new tutor, I have to be like, "Hi, I'm going to need to use that one room that you've got that has like an automatic door and things that yeah. you can just stick all of us in." Don't me I'll just
0: sit here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No,
2: thanks. Um, yeah. So it, I kind of can't avoid it. Also, I, um, my sort of introduction to the disability community was at quite a young age. Mm-hmm. My parents were very, um, I don't fault them for it at all, but when I was a young kid, they were very much like, you know, she's just our daughter. We don't want to like put anything sort of on her, mm-hmm. which I think was very much seen as like the progressive thing to do um, during the sort of early to mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I started swimming. And I um, joined the Northwest um, Para Squad um, and started doing nationals and get going to CP sport events. And I met like loads of different people um, with various different things. Um, but a, a lot, because a lot of people with cerebral palsy swim because I think it's, you know, supposed to be good for us.
0: I think we are secretly mermaids yeah <laughs> that's what i'm going with i am ariel the little mermaid my hair is red and uh yeah I'm, i like to think i am ariel but um yeah. yeah i really love being in the water. i like being in water on water near water yes. anywhere okay. anything to do with water please and then that was very much like oh this is my
2: community these are like my people and yeah. that's always that's always so always cool quite sort of bullshit about it and then when i went to uni um one of like the five physically disabled people at undergrad and <laughs> not <laughs> um, was actually an old friend of one of my uh, best mate's sisters so wow
1: yeah, we really do all know each other. I was going to say this. This is the the one time where usually we're like, no, we don't all know each other. It's just yeah. this one situation that makes all the able-bodied people in the world go. Well, they must all know each other. Yeah, yeah. I knew. I knew I was right, Graham. I knew yeah, I was right. This is your fault. And they find yeah. we all have a group. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: it's just one big WhatsApp group. You see, yeah. for me, I I went to. Uh, I grew up. With my sister, who is non-disabled, and me and my sister were never treated any differently. I am the older of the two, mm. and there's four years difference. So I went to school.
1: Was Sophie born before your diagnosis? Like you said, there's four years difference. So yeah. was Sophie born when you were when your parents knew about your CP? Yes. Or was she oh,
0: okay? Yeah, um, but it, well, it was quite. It was a relatively recent thing. Recently, yeah. oh, Lucy's disabled. Uh, I went to school with other disabled children uh from the age of three to 19 and it meant that i was able to grow up as like a not quote unquote normal like i wasn't have to worried about oh why are they staring at me because we were all sort of disabled we were all staring at one another going what, what, why are they doing that um no and then i when i got to about 16 17 18 i was a bit like i'm a bit i'm a bit fed up with spending all my time with disabled people i want to get out there and meet meet non-disabled people and so went to college and university for four years and spent a lot of time with non-disabled people and then found myself the age i am now kind of actually i quite like the disabled community can i come back and spend some time with you please because um there's that level of kind of Understanding that when you're talking to other disabled people, you don't have to go through all the explanation of why things are hurting. Mm. You just go, Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, have you tried this cream or this medication? You know, I think
1: it, it sounds like Emily's experience is quite a mix of yeah. our two experiences. Like, I, my parents took a very similar approach, Emily, to yours, where you know, it was she's just our daughter, she can still do anything, her disability doesn't matter. It is, it was the very um, in the same way that, you know, people always just say, well, I don't see colour. It's a very, like, yeah. 90s, yeah. naughties kind of approach. Whereas, actually, we're now all going, well, you know, actually, this is an important part of my identity. Yeah. Don't, don't ignore it. No. So, I think it's really, you know, it, and I mean, I'm getting back into kind of doing sport and stuff now. And that I wish, I wish I'd been involved in the para sport. Yeah. Um, you know, if I... If I had a time machine, one of the many things I'd I'd go back and do. Uh, Yeah, it's um, it's I think it's very cool, and like I say, it sounds like it's kind of given you quite a a strong sense of identity. That's then you've really kind of carried through, and I think you know, listening. I mean, the idea that that you're at Oxford, I very specifically made decisions about the university that I went to based on my disability I went to De Montfort in Leicester because at the time it was rated the best university in the country for disabled student like for support for disabled students and actually it was 20 minutes from my mum's house by car so I had even intended on commuting and not living in halls which uh i changed my mind about within about three weeks um, <laughs> <laughs> but um but you know i at 19 when i was looking at unis i i wouldn't have dared look at somewhere like oxford that the idea of that would have given me such anxiety because i just the the access needs for me i think about places like that and i just think so many dark narrow corridors Mm -hmm. i i would be i'd be fucked (laughs) um and this for me was pre-guide dog as well so i wasn't using any kind of orientation aid (laughs) i just have been walking (laughs) in kind of alice is walking around
0: with her hands in front of her like in front of her going is there there a wall there (laughs) i don't know
2: yeah
1: yeah so
0: yeah I, I think i approached
2: it very pragmatically to be fair like my my, my sort of viewpoint was i mean i ended up in a, in a reasonably accessible college jesus which was good and they said you know if you end up getting pulled to a college which is just completely impossible you can move um, i think it is very uh based on which college you end up at mm-hmm. um but my uh viewpoint going into the that was like, even if I have the most horrendous four years, I've then got an Oxford degree
0: yeah, and that's
2: gonna make my life a lot easier. Cause I'm very sort of aware of the fact that for my whole life, I'm gonna have to, you know, make up
0: for
1: my Mm -hmm. disability. Do you know, Emily,
0: that is exactly the same reason I went to university, because I wanted to prove to people that there was more to me than just, oh, she's disabled, bless her. Yeah, we'll give her a go because she did said I wanted to prove to people that there was more to me than my perceived barriers that yeah. I had um yeah. I had a horrendous time at university I was bullied picked on both by other students and staff members um and I don't know how I ha- held on for as long as I did to get my degree if I you know I think there was many times where I was like do you know what this isn't worth it and if it hadn't been for my friends who were like, "No, come on, you can do this, you can do this," that I would have gone and like given up because there's only so much shit you can take really um and I'm glad I did because it, it that i'm proud- you know I'm proud of that certificate. It's just a shame that I feel felt the need I had to go to university to prove myself um really, you know, but i
1: do i mean I think anybody um you know obviously having a having a degree yes. does does help you start and does give people the thing you know they look at your your cv and they don't just see the wheelchair but i think anybody going to oxbridge um mm. i mean that opens doors yes
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah yeah
1: regardless it's of not you
0: quite staffordshire university is it like <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't think Staffordshire is known for, uh, you know, parliamentarians. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't. No. That's no, true. But no. yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a thing, like, every person here at, in every college has someone who, like, they do PPE or his or something. And yeah. they're, like, really active in the union and they do other stuff and you know that they're going to be, like, in a government yeah. job. And you're just mm-hmm. like, No please no yeah. <laughs> i have nightmares that the particular person in my year who's like that is going to be prime
1: minister one day
0: oh no, it makes me
1: feel ill <laughs> i hope that that you're taking pictures of that person on every <laughs> night out that yeah. you can sell to the sun as and when it happens to uh if not bring them down mm. at least make some fucking money out of it oh absolutely
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i i'm st- i mean i went to uh, when I was growing up in North London, I uh, went to a very, very mixed, you know, very local authority uh, school. And one of my friend's older sisters got into, actually, I think it was Cambridge, and went to see it and was like, I am not, and this, this would have been probably 2001. And went, you know, to have a day at Cambridge. And they were very, it was very much, she said, I felt like the whole day they were going oh won't it be lovely to have a overachieving <laughs> woman of color from a council oh, estate God. in our co- in our next cohort you oh, know man. very tokeny mm-hmm. and uh, and she ended up not going there because she was just like i don't that's not the kind of attitude of, of no. the place i want to i exactly. want to be somewhere because people go we want you for your merits not because we want you for our tick box
0: yeah exactly yeah.
1: I don't know. Is that do you? Oh, do you...
2: okay. I have a story <laughs> to tell. It's okay. actually to do with Oxford. It was before it was at school because I, I went to private school because basically when I was in primary school, I didn't get a statement. Okay. Uh, okay. At the time, I didn't have um, any SPLDs and the statement system. I don't know if it's changed now, but there's very not, to be I... honest but it was very geared towards um SPLDs mm-hmm. so and it was a lot of it was based around the reading test mm-hmm. and as I had learned from my ironically my um ADHD diagnosis my reading level is really 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 high um so I would always pass yeah
0: test. you'd ace it yeah, yeah which yeah. Then,
2: then I got no help uh, yeah so even like the good school for the uh, SEN kids in my area wasn't that interested in Mm. me. Um, Like, it was just like, well, what do you want us to do? Like, um, because most of my mates with CP have an SPLD as well, which Mm -hmm. was able to then tick that box and Mm. whatever. And as well, I feel like I was punished a little bit for having, for, like, being high-functioning. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because they were like, well, you don't need our help. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of, so, um, I didn't have any look on the state schools. One of the other private schools was worse. Um, cause they're just like, they tried to keep me in the overlay, uh, when I was at the office to try and I was like, that's not why I'm here. Um, and then the, um, state <laughs> selective school that we tried, we rang up and my mom was like, look. My daughter's got X, Y, and Z, you know, what? what's your policy like on that? I think she like, couldn't find anything on the website um, about it. And the receptionist was just like, we don't have any child with anything here. Oh, my God, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, basic. And my mom went
0: like, it's my- like a
2: selling point. My mom was just so like stunned. She just ended up stuttering out, not even like dyslexia <laughs> or <of> anything. <laughs> she was oh, like, God. no. <laughs> Only normal kids here. Yeah. yeah. So my mom obviously just hung up and was like, I, I, I don't remember the actual phone call, but I remember the day of it because she was just like raging mad. Yeah, <laughs>
0: naturally. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the, and then the...
2: when we went to um my school, we met the uh, SEN there and she was brilliant. Like, mm. she was like, you know, as she gets in, as she gets the grades, like, we'll do whatever yes. which aside from a couple of crappy teachers they did pretty much stick to mm-hmm. however cut to a level results day um i was um trotted out um for publicity quite
0: a of lot course. yeah of course
1: um yeah. so
0: Send a I- smiling disabled person who looks very happy to be here uh,
1: yeah Yeah, make sure you wipe the dribble off their chin
0: and the biscuits off the trousers yeah Yeah,
1: exactly (laughs) so like i
0: I
2: was in quite a lot of national newspapers and to be fair then a lot of it very much depended on the journalist that i was talking to whether i had a good experience or not Mm -hmm. so for example i had chris matthews who was from the times and he was lovely he was like it was just a gen it was just a nice a-level story
0: yeah rather than a oh look at this just every yeah. person and
2: yeah 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 because you you get nice a-level stories they're just yeah. the things that yeah. come out um and then but then the one that was written for the girls school association was uh, oh what was the headline girl battles cerebral palsy oh. to win a place at oxford that uh. was <laughs> I, was like,
0: I was like i was like i i had my first experience of being like i never said that no mm-hmm. i know it's um you weren't one of these people were you that had to open your a levels just on the telly no no no, oh. no. I already...
2: that gave me that stress gave me stress um, <laughs> no i checked um because i was like refreshing newcast refreshing newcast mm-hmm. and, and then i saw and it was like
0: oh I, yeah because i always feel so sorry for those people that have to yeah. stand there with the envelope shaking like clearly sweaty palms it, on the telly. I don't know I don't why they think do it.
1: they, like, they force, like, you at gunpoint. Yeah, I imagine I mean, there like, is, like, a, hey, is anybody interested in doing this? And everybody goes, I'll be on the fucking telly. And then realise the what they've got to do. It, do. <laughs> <it>? yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Pay me 50 quid just in case I uh, fail miserably. In yeah, my exam. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I didn't even, because the um, Oxford um, authors come out all on the same day. And, uh-huh. You know, after you've done the exams, the interviews, whatever. I remember it's in the middle of mock exams, and everyone, basically, everyone's just getting rejected, rejected, rejected oh. all throughout the day. And I was certain because of the people who had gotten rejected that I wasn't getting in. So I was like, I'm going to wait until I go home. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: because if I'm going to have a mental breakdown, <laughs> yeah, I would exactly. like to do so in the privacy of
0: my own home. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do, I do. It's like that. It, it, Alice, it is that like moment of realization when they go. Right, we're going to go over to J- Jacob, who's going to open his. Uh, and everyone's and he's like, oh, what? No, what? <laughs> like, yeah, I, th- I think we're just going to. Oh yeah. To I, I
1: sat my uh, English A level, English literature A level. Um, and I walked out and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm all right with that. I did that. Like, I think it was, we did it in two, like we did two sets of them. So we did like an exam in December or yeah. something. And then another one in like May. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, yeah, fucking done that. I smashed that. happy with that. I wrote loads and I got all like up in Shakespeare's business. Um, <laughs> and then, and then I got my, uh, I got my result paper." back later like a month or so later and it was like um this was <laughs> this is very interesting um answer this is very interesting essay but it did not answer the question so we've given oh, you an ungraded God. oh no so i had to oh. redo the whole thing oh. um which was fine i then got a b okay but um it was yeah it, <laughs> it, it, the idea of having to to get that piece of paper on tv Oh, especially, especially because I'm so fucking cocky, going you're fucking yeah, fucking <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If it makes you feel any better, my girlfriend, the future P-
2: um doctoral candidate who is completely um non-disabled, uh, was helping her sister with her GCSE maths homework, and she was saying to me, "Oh, we're doing this thing about working out algebra from a curve on and graph," and I'm not sure we did that. I was like, babe.
0: We, de- we definitely
2: <laughs> did do that <laughs> oh, amazing and she was like are you sure i was like yeah i don't remember how to do it anymore but we no. definitely did it
0: because yeah, <laughs> uh, you know you i think especially when you're doing your exams and you do and and stuff you like learn it for the period of time you need it and then as soon as you don't need it anymore you're just like when did it what, what was that i don't remember that i don't remember doing that no i definitely yeah. think it's like you know self-preservation yeah
1: did you say you were doing a languages degree? MN? Yeah, so I study French. Okay. Um, See, I think that that languages must be the exception to that rule, whereas you just have to retain the, yeah. pre- ev- the information at every level because otherwise <laughs> you're going to be like, I'm fluent in French, except I don't remember the word for and. Yeah, I mean, it does happen. The way we teach languages
2: in this country is weird um so you will so like for example i like getting my nails done and i realized i can read all these fancy french novels i do not know how to ask for a manicure so that feels weird there's a lot of like everyday stuff that we don't really cover like at the correct
0: level right do you is there a lot of you using uh google translate (laughs) (laughs) Emily? To get your point across
2: um, not not massively. Sometimes, if I need something specific, I'll have to use various um trans- I I tend to avoid uh, Google Translate because it can be a bit sketchy. With no. can it? really, yeah. If you're using specialist stuff, okay. Or you need like a word in a certain context, um,
0: right?
2: So, like, I have to use it for work a lot because obviously, I'm quite good at French. Mm. I'm not amazing at medical French. No. Mm. So I've had to sort of there's certain words that I've had to sort of pick up.
0: Yeah.
2: From work. But I'm I'm picking up medical all sorts of languages, just nothing else. Like I have a pretty decent grasp of like medical Italian now. I just can't do anything else. Amazing. Amazing.
1: <laughs> you could go go you know, go to Rome <laughs> and diagnose people. Yeah. <laughs> but, heaven yeah. forbid you need to ask the way your hotel is.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's very niche, but at least you could do it yeah (laughs) um so talking of like obviously you're living in paris for a year emily we briefly had a chat while we were waiting for uh, alice's internet to reboot itself back up again about um sort of access in paris yes what it's like as you know as somebody who needs obviously uh, has an access need can you tell us a bit about a little bit about what it's like for you as a disabled person living in another country that isn't is it better or worse than Oxford University yeah yeah, okay okay
2: (laughs) oh that is a good question So, (laughs) I'd say in France people's people don't infantilize me as much which I I like a lot Mm -hmm. Um, so like I haven't I've never been baby voiced by a French person which you know I appreciate that a lot yeah. uh, the a, so a a basic
1: things... request really isn't it is that yeah. Not yeah, yeah, to talk to a grown woman like she's four,
2: yeah, yeah, but for me, I'm like, wow, how mm-hmm. so amazing no wow, this is... is a brand
1: new world, yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
2: how progressive <laughs> yeah. that that's pretty good uh, people are generally more helpful in shops I've noticed,
1: mm-hmm
2: which is nice um public transport system is objectively worse for access um i i've stopped basically using my wheelchair because it's not worth not being able to use the transport no um but there's like other like there's more benches and things which isn't like an access need with a capital a but it does make my life a lot easier
1: no you see i we're working um On a campaign at work at the moment about addressing resting spaces specifically um because actually it is a really under um kind of what's the word I'm looking for people don't don't raise awareness about resting spaces, and actually they're a hugely important thing for a lot yeah. of people with um disabilities so mm. and the the thing that people keep coming up against is that you immediately when you want to put a bench or something down somewhere the police immediately go well you can't do that homeless people will sleep on it you kind of go well (laughs) perhaps if you gave the homeless people somewhere else to sleep so that they weren't facing homelessness anymore then um
0: doris can have a sit down when her legs are hurting yeah yeah Yeah.
1: i think i think perhaps you are take you're you're coming at this from the (laughs) wrong yeah yeah i mean the
2: the hostile art architecture is really, really um, bad generally for disabled people as well. Because even if you have a bench and they've done the little split thingies yeah, and they get yeah. like anti-sleeping, they're not good for us. Yeah. You, have
0: to, you have to be able to sit completely straight, mm. which yes. a lot of us can't do. My, well, my body certainly won't go completely straight, no matter how hard I try.
2: I can, but then it negates the point of it being a wrestling spot. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> not not very restful or
0: comfortable, is it? Yeah. No, uh, no. Um, but yeah, it just fascinates because, like, as I said to Emily, like it fascinates me. Like when I go on holiday. So I went to uh, Prague with uh, college when I was at college many, many moons ago, and we found it extremely difficult because it's Prague. It's hilly. There's cobbles. It's co- it was cold. Um, Not that that's an access problem, it's just, I don't like being cold.
2: It's not good when you have
0: CP. Everything no, it, everything doesn't. sort of like tightens up, doesn't it? So it was really difficult. And I, as I was walking around, I was like, what so where, how do disabled people live like this? Like disabled people from Prague, how do they live in an environment like this every day, day to day? And it fascinates me to be able to hear from people who, you know, or living in places like Paris to find out what it's like, you know, as a tourist is one thing, but when you're living it and you've got no other option to sort of go, oh I'm going home in a week, it's fine. Yeah. Um, what it's like for you as a disabled person not living somewhere like England where I, I know what to expect. It's, yeah, I find
2: it
0: fascinating.
2: Finding accommodation was really tough um Mm -hmm. that was something that was really really difficult um because i need a lift even i just because there will be days where i just can't do stairs
0: yeah
2: and i can't be stuck in my flat if that's the case also Mm -hmm. a lot of the stairs and like the um you know when you picture a
1: parisian apartment yeah are treacherous
0: Mm. really
1: yeah yeah because they're all uneven it's really old cities isn't it generally they're just not not made for people with kind of walking impairments particularly
0: yeah Um, i always said that my specialist skill is being able to tell you whether something is something that looks flat is in fact flat yes (laughs) by looking at it i'm like that's not flat yeah it is no it's not i can tell you now let me roll over it and i'll show you (laughs) Um, yeah
2: there's um Corn Market Street in Oxford and it's a very slight decline towards the Tesco's and everyone was like it's flat and I'm like no it's not let me let go yeah. <laughs> I'll, me meet my... <laughs> I'll meet you down there I'll meet you
0: with the cheese aisle <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah see I that's
1: that's really poor design planning there because it means that you can get into the Tesco's but you like, you've then got to get out with all yeah. your shopping back up the hill. Mm-hmm. I was that was that did wonders for my
2: swimming, though. I, have to
1: <laughs> yeah. I got
2: I I see I lost like half a stone, my abs were like steel. Emily's ready to go to the
0: Paralympics, like, come on. Yeah, I got
2: a personal best at Varsity that year, and I credit that
1: to the poor access of
0: Oxford. <laughs> I'd like to thank you. T- I'd like to thank Tesco's. I, <laughs> I like that.
1: I like that. So people always talk about you know disabled people being able to find the silver lining in in, yeah, uh, in you know exclusion and poor access. It's like yeah, got it. <laughs> there yeah, we go <laughs> completely.
0: <laughs> absolutely brilliant. um Do you think you'll stay in? paris like longer than your year will you extend it or is that possible if you i if have
2: you... To be my final year unfortunately i have right. to actually do my
1: exams and get my degree oh. um so do you think would you know would you like to come back to france do you think that's yeah
2: something? i think i would um i'm not sure whether i want to do it full time um because i i am definitely uh i feel very strongly about where i'm from and i'm very sort of connected to you know being a manc being a northerner that Mm -hmm. kind of thing like um i like i know i want to raise my family near to home like at some point in the distant future but say Mm -hmm. there was a job where i'd have to sort of do little spells or Mm -hmm. work between two offices i wouldn't be opposed to that
1: yeah well and i think in the kind of work that you're doing in that kind of content creation those that that is um particularly if you get into kind of the sales world that i think is something that is quite common isn't it especially if you've got a language people will be just like desperate to get you on their uh on their payroll yeah
2: well that's why i've actually when i've been learning languages there are some languages i've opted not to learn so i don't get sent to that country yeah right so for example everyone who everyone in my life who's like super super capitalistic has been like why don't you learn mandarin that would earn you loads of money and i've been like no i'm not going to china sorry
0: i've never fancied china as a holiday never mind a work destination it's like no no no. neither no it's very far very it's very far. far i don't think i would cope very lot very well on an airplane for that long That's probably one of the reasons why i've never been to australia or new zealand because i don't think i could i, I don't like sitting in chairs that don't move <laughs> yeah it's, it's
2: not because you, you go dead really quickly when you have cp yeah i divide
0: i literally sitting in a traffic jam uh, i get Irritable because I'm not in a chair that I can because you're used to just being like, just go forward, just move, <laughs> move <laughs> yourself forward. In yeah, I get very, I get very irritable that I can't move in in a chair. It's um, yeah, it makes me very cross, but they, you know, <laughs> they just things I get cross about all the time. Yeah. Um, it's uh, but yeah, I uh, it's I I always think that maybe if I'd have been non disabled. I would have probably travelled a bit more than I actually have because I think whilst I like travelling and going on holiday and doing all those nice little things, I am um, by the time I get back off my holiday, like to Tenerife or Spain or wherever, I am absolutely knackered and need about three weeks to recover from it. So Ooh. I am always, I am always a little bit jealous of people that can, you know, go go away on holiday. And uh, go I do, I do know something. a bunch of people
1: who did that, like oh you know i went to bali and uh korea and stuff on my year like i took a year out and i went really? traveling and i went backpacking and i'm mm-hmm. like yeah no i i would have i wouldn't have made it out the airport on my own no. i couldn't yeah no
0: well, and I'm what here. you know you 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 hear don't you people that travel like they're disability travel experts and you think it's all very really well and good but you know you're sometimes there the person's disability isn't the same as my disability and so then needs and my needs are different and i'm thinking yeah that's okay for you because you can sort of stand up and walk a bit but if i'm going to push myself up a massive hill every day
2: (laughs) well speaking of massive hills (laughs) we were we i was i had a really uh amazing opportunity where we had the all because our my um organization has an office in paris brussels and barcelona okay so every two years or so they have a massive seminar somewhere for everyone to chat and meet each other yeah because a lot of people are also not in any of those offices as well and work remotely, Um, you know, especially if they've got kids who are affected by those conditions, etc. And the city they picked was Lisbon, right? Um, which was lovely. I enjoyed being in the sun for a few days. It it was slightly weird being in my bikini around my colleagues. that it was mostly really good. However, one of the days we did a team building activity where it was doing a treasure hunt around Lisbon. And it right. soon turned into pushing me around Lisbon became the team building. <laughs> I was going to say! Yeah, because it's so, it's so hilly. Is like, yeah. It's literally this.
0: Can we
1: just ban hills? Do you think we can ban hills? I, I think they're quite... Um... uh uh, it's uh, it's not the sort of thing that you can just be like right you know let's let's trim all the hills off (laughs) um fairly fairly solid import and probably quite important Mm. geologically um i'm afraid (sighs) loose sorry
0: Uh, could you imagine though if like they said right we're going to just make england flat i mean it would be very boring but imagine how much speed we would get up it would be amazing we could just yeah, like use the joy of going downhill well yeah i suppose yeah maybe just make like really slippy floor we're we, we going off topic here um this, <laughs> but, is, yeah. this
1: is the the uh grand redesign lucy has for the yeah. uk is to basically
0: <laughs> just bulldoze the whole lot hills and mountains included and then make all of the floors inside buildings like gym floors that are dead slippy you know like when you're at school and you go to the gym and the floors are like over polished you did yeah. one push, and you could travel like miles,
2: Brilliant. Yeah, or you know, when you go to like a shopping center.
1: Yes. But, but, but my dogs get really don't like that because the floor's too slippy and they get worried that, like, they get, Lola in particular was really bad. She'd be like walking on and be
0: go, like, oh, I'm really worried. I'm going to fall down. Right. This is the first draft of the plan, Alice. I, right, will, okay. I will address your dogs when we get to draft three. Right. Oh, okay. Two. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And I think, well, the the ultimate pitch, Lucy, is that we now we need to make sure we connect with um, Emily's classmate who's going to be the future prime minister. Yeah, pitch it yeah. to them. he is a tory though Um, i don't think yeah no you've got
2: got no right (laughs) front
1: yeah maybe not maybe not not. he'll he'll be far too busy uh trying to institutionalize you again lucy or you know (laughs) usual firewood which is i i'm convinced is the ultimate plan for (laughs) uh (laughs) tories to deal with uh disabled people
0: yeah, I don't know. It's just a dream I have, being able to like move around and not feel exhausted when I've finished my shopping. Like it's where like, where I live, uh, our shopping centre. I was going to say we've started this new thing called a DVD. A
1: <laughs> DVD. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Yes. Um, Emily, focus. we've done Emily, a lot of Emily. chatting. We've done a lot of chatting. Shit. Was there anything in particular you wanted to talk to us or raise before we? kind of start winding things down oh god um (laughs) why don't you tell us a little bit about the writing you've been doing on disability fashion
2: so um i've been writing a lot about like how to adapt certain trends for certain body types and like how certain things work and don't work and how to like make your clothes adaptive even if you can't afford adaptive clothing because adaptive clothing still has a little bit of an inaccessible price point which is understandable because obviously it's not fast fashion Mm -hmm. No, but it's obviously still not always ideal and i wrote little bits and bobs about that i've also written about uh disability representation in the fashion industry so the likes of Gillian Mercado, Erin Paul, um, and Sinead Burke who are all doing really cool things mm. and how they are sort of bringing it to the mainstream because I feel like there has been a massive uptake in uh, representation in the last like two or three years. Mm.
1: It, it is one of the beautiful things about the internet is that you know people can just put themselves out there and actually it's very easy for other people to kind of pick pick you up and make you popular in a way that um more traditional kind of going and looking for representation people are gonna go well nobody wants to see a disabled person yeah um yeah i think that's really cool yeah
2: because it's, it's it's just it's been such a shift because like even five years ago what we're seeing now just wouldn't even be thinkable no, no.
1: Mm-hmm. so that's and i think you know inaccessibility around fashion is something that people not a lot of people really kind of, cons- you know, when you say accessibility to people, most people think lifts and toilets. Yes. Um, so I think, you know, Thank the you idea exclusively. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think yeah. the idea of, um, uh, you know, talking about accessible fashion and inclusive fashion is uh, is very cool, I think. And, and again, having that representation um, out there within the fashion and beauty industry. There is another Emily, Emily Davison, who I am a big fan of, who is a blind influencer who does uh, beauty. I love her. Um, And of course, my, uh, who's on like my top 10 dream guest list, Jessica, um, Kelvin Fossard. If we can get her on, she's, I mean, that woman is beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think accessible fashion is a very cool thing to be kind of promoting and raising awareness about.
0: I wish I could be fashionable but I'm like a potato on wheels <laughs> to be honest like no none of my clothes ever fit me properly and I think that's because I'm sat down all the time so I look at something on a mannequin and it's like oh that's nice and then you put it on me and I'm like no no put it back. Do you ever look at
1: um, you know like wheelchair um, sort of fashion icons
0: and, and disabled? Um, Occasionally yeah um but when you type when you're looking for wheelchair you know fa- fashion for people in wheelchairs it's very very you're very close to looking like a bog roll cover in a wheelchair if you're not careful they it just it's like there's like lots of velcro and zips and stuff that just yeah why is that random zip there <laughs> yeah
2: i was looking for a raincoat um last autumn because obviously as you know you get the puddling in the flies, and it's awful and i was like surely someone must have thought about this before because that i have that is like a weird saying when it comes to problems is i am not the first person to have had this problem yeah yeah. someone else must have thought of it before me
1: there there are much smarter people in the world out there surely someone else has addressed this already yeah it
2: was not that you're not very smart (laughs) <laughs> it was a bloody poncho with extra zip, and not yes. even like a cool, fashion-forward poncho. It Does was me. like just. It was like I'm not wearing that. No refuse yeah. like Marvel. people have talked to me because obviously when you're sat still and you've got cp and it's cold, about like you know you can get those things that you put over your legs and things. And I was like, mm.
0: no, I've got there half a sleeping bag that's that I sit in, uh, that I my doctor told me I needed to get because of, I get chill blends up my legs and i was like i'm not wearing one have you seen them they're disgusting i'm not wearing one they're yeah, awful i've well, I'm I've given in now i just give I'd like it's black it goes with my chair nobody can see it um I, and they are actually quite warm and comfortable but you do look like a caterpillar in it really um you just some battles you've gotta like lose really i think yeah
2: well, that's kind of why i like fashion Is the sort of inverse of that is because mm-hmm. i then have control over my appearance when i don't have a lot of control over other everything else
0: yeah
2: yeah like yeah. i'm not implying that me putting on a full face of makeup to go and do some shopping is gonna like solve ableism mm-hmm. but it makes me feel a little bit better yeah, especially exactly. if
1: having a crappy day
0: yeah
1: and you no. know what i'm i'm a big fan of um because i don't I, I try not to do fast fashion stuff i'm a big fan of taking stuff to your like local tailor and yeah. being like hey what can you do with this and like you talking about your sleeping bag lucy i was immediately like you need like a black and white polka dot one and <laughs> then you need like like a slightly fancy florally one yeah like you need you want to if
0: because i think that's
1: that's what i I've, i definitely have taken that approach of going people are staring at me in the street because i'm walking yeah. down the street with a guide dog yeah. people are also i'm damn well making sure people are also staring at me because i am wearing a b i've got this beautiful cream polka dot trench coat that i yeah. adore oh. and i'm like yeah this is this is what i'm like you're you're seeing me you're going wow look at that dog and you're also going damn look at her
0: yeah. yeah yeah exactly and it's, i think as well to a, a certain extent it's why i dye my hair like bright colors and have crazy haircuts because i think if they're looking at me i might as well have nice hair whilst they're looking at me Is, you know what i mean it's that kind of it's having it's that weirdly freeing yes because i i basically had the same attitude of
2: I feel like you don't look at me anyway, even if I, God forbid, wore just like a gray sweatsuit all the time. Yeah. And like, yeah. looked completely invisible. Yeah. I couldn't be,
0: yeah. so my I may ha-
2: as well make myself happy.
0: And my hairdresser loves me. He he calls me his human girl's world, because I'm like <laughs>
1: <laughs> What do you want to do today? That, it's like, uh, that very much ages your, your yeah. hairdresser specific.
0: He actually bought me a girl's world like like again for one of my birthdays <laughs> and they said another thing like ages like five to seven or something yeah. and uh it was in front of all my friends and i opened this like present and it was a girl's one and i was like oh, funny that's funny and then it, it, we realized he was like i didn't think i was being offensive <laughs> like buying you a, a human girl's one for five to seven because you're in a wheelchair and like a bit like special i was like no it's fine it's all right it's fine absolutely fine don't worry about it um but yeah i think i think being able to like dye my hair bright colors like everybody knows that i it's my that's my thing now my hair like i've been i've had bright red hair for a very long time but up until that point i would go in the hairdressers i used to have very short hair in a quiff and i would dye my quiff a different color every time i went in and nice. it became like my thing of oh what color is Lucy's hair going to be today um and i think that yeah again it's because people are looking at me so why not give them something to look at
2: yeah also yeah. i'm never going to get
0: hired for a traditional corporate job anyway. exactly 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 i'm never going to want out to do with me so yeah. don't right Dye your, br- dye your hair, bright blue, babes. Just
1: do it. <laughs> do you know I what I mean? Yeah. The, the the one thing about uh my new guide dog is that she leaves yellow hair absolutely <laughs> everywhere. So all these nice, like, I like a sort of 1950s, slightly sort of vintagey retro look. Yeah, all yeah. my nice, like I went to a work event in a black polka dot like wiggle dress the other day and uh came out and i'd laddered my tights because i'd caught the knee on the velcro on her harness and the like just the bottom hem on the left hand side where the dog is of my dress was just yellow it's just yellow it's like yeah there is definitely um you can you can look i can leave the house looking like a you know banging disabled person i come home and it's like you smell a bit like dog yeah and uh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah i am definitely still stooping in the street to have to pick up <laughs> shit so <laughs> uh, clever yeah i was gonna say it doesn't doesn't quite carry off all day long
0: unfortunately
1: no. <laughs> yeah it's awful in
2: games like getting into a nice dress and then realizing that the disabled toilet is like 20 minutes away
1: yeah shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh it's been it's been fun having you on emily i feel like lucy and i've talked over you a lot but you don't know it is <laughs> um and uh yeah we'd um we're always looking for bonus content stuff so if you ever fancy turning your writing skills to uh to contribute something to labeled we'd love to hear from you of course. Do you want to tell the people out there where they can find you on the internet if there's anything you kind of want to plug?
2: Yeah, so um my website is at ashakyprecipice.com. Uh my Instagram is at M so E L M A N O C K X. And then my Twitter is just my name. So that's fine.
1: Awesome. Uh, well, if you guys have enjoyed this episode, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe because uh, that's a brilliant way to show your support for the show that doesn't cost you anything. Uh, and we know times are hard, so save your pennies for important things like gin.
0: Yes. <laughs> <Well done. laughs> Emily, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, you can feel free to come back anytime you like. And if you're in the pub, uh, and you see us sort of sitting there just having a chinwag come and join us why not Eh? oh know. absolutely <laughs> <laughs> pub. that is yeah. that is one of the things in this what the pub
1: yeah. yeah i don't think they do pubs in the same sort of context in france do they no
2: they, they have like novelty irish pubs but that's basically it
1: yeah oh. yeah so it's guineas or nothing really yeah or kind of like a slightly posh french vintage uh thing i imagine isn't it
2: yeah and then yeah and then there's that so
0: yeah (laughs) well it's been lovely to speak to emily uh thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you all next time thanks Bye. bye bye bye
1: Thanks for listening to The Labelled Podcast. If you like the show, you can rate, review and subscribe and you can follow us on social media at Labeled
0: Pod. This episode was edited by Adam Hall. Our music was by Maisie Crunden, and we'd like to thank the rest of the team involved.